0: Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast with Jason Toby. I want to encourage you to know more of God's love for you today. And so while I'm not sure what you're facing right now, I was wondering, could you use a bit more of God's peace in your life? I know for me with the busyness of life, I always think, oh man, I could use a bit of rest or peace, but it's hard to find. Bedtime for us with the family with five kids can be pretty chaotic. In fact, it's pretty busy time with baths and brushing teeth, stories, prayers, songs, amazing questions about how the world works while it's bedtime come to pass. And then even after bedtime, it's simply uh, like this experience that our kids are still at camp somehow. Summer camp's happening We've got two girls in a room with a bunk bed, two boys in another room with a bunk bed, and then a little boy in his own room, and it's just talking just as loud as if it wasn't bedtime. It's amazing. And so sometimes I think to myself, when is the peace going to come? Now, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel pretty guilty for wishing my kids would go to bed, but uh, there is times when it feels like, oh God, can we just have some quiet? For most of us, when we think of peace, we think of it in terms of quiet or the absence of chaos and trouble and It might not surprise you that Jesus has a different perspective. In John chapter 16, Jesus and his disciples are gathered as they share their last supper together. And as the meal comes to an end, Jesus shares with them again his mission, um, the plan, that within a couple of hours that he would uh, be betrayed, he'll be arrested and taken into the hands of his enemies, and that all of his friends will scatter in fear, and that eventually he would die and that he would leave to go to his father. All of this so that the mission of love and a conquest over death would be accomplished. In fact, in John chapter 16, we see more of the story unfolding, and Jesus is teaching and informing his followers of what is to come. And in verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in you, or that in me, you may have peace. Remember, Jesus has been sharing with them that he's going to be leaving them, and he's told them that when he does leave them, that he will send God's spirit to comfort and guide and lead them. So the wonder is, how can Jesus tell them these difficult and awful things how is this supposed to instill peace? I can remember several years ago I had an early morning dentist visit, and uh me and the dentist um aren't best friends. Um, I usually dig my hands pretty deep into the armrests, uh even for a simple cleaning. And I thank God that I've never had a cavity. I don't think that's because I'm an amazing toothbrusher, if you will, but uh I think it's God's grace to me. Um, The anxiety of going to the dentist is uh, pretty intense for me, but I remember this one particular appointment that after the visit and the cleaning, the dentist said that it looks like I'm going to need a gum graft surgery, or gum transplant surgery, and uh, if you've struggled with uh, uh, anxiety with the doctor or the dentist, you may be able to relate to me in that, but I felt like my heart was going to come up and through my mouth when I heard that. So what I did after hearing that this is going to come and I need to go visit with another doctor to have this procedure done, of course I went to um, the office that day at my work and started looking up on YouTube what does a gum transplant surgery look like? What does it look like to take a swatch of flesh from the roof of your mouth? And what is that shot like in the roof of your mouth? Uh, I've never had a shot in my mouth, and I'm also anti-shots as well, pretty much anti-pain and I can honestly tell you, and, uh, looking up the surgery on YouTube didn't help me. Knowing the facts of how it was going to happen didn't help me. So, when I think of anticipated problems, you know, my insides get, uh, uh, get twisted a bit. And I get anxious, worried, and troubled. And so, what I've been wondering over time, not only with things like that, but is it possible to face life troubles and not let, us, not let it tear us up? See, most ideas about peace have an aspect from being free from some kind of conflict or trouble, but Jesus is speaking of a peace that is different than the world gives or defines. This is why he says in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Yet the peace doesn't come from Christ's disciples from knowing the facts of what was to come. Jesus said that it comes from knowing him, From knowing Jesus himself. This is why Jesus lovingly says, I tell you these things so that in me you may have peace. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1 we read, Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 2 says, For he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace. And he came and preached peace. See, the peace that we are truly looking for is found in Jesus especially in the midst of the storms of life, bad news, or life's worst troubles. That's why he connects the next phrase in his pastoral words to his disciples. Here's the text again. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Next part. In this world you will have trouble. I read this and I think, Jesus, I thought we were talking about peace. This doesn't sound very much like the message of, that, of Jesus that would sell today, though, is it? A message that if your faith in him is strong enough that you won't have trouble. Yet, it's recorded that Jesus promises trouble for those that follow him. What kind of trouble would his his disciples face? Well, Jesus actually has been telling them throughout his preparing of them. He says things like, um, don't be alarmed if the world hates you. Remember, it hated me first. I mean, this is a people pleaser's nightmare kind of promise. Several verses before the one we're looking at today says in John chapter 16, verses two and three, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming whenever, when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God and they will do things, these things, because they have not known the father nor me. Uh, where's the peace? Scripture and tradition tells us that most of the disciples died martyrs' deaths and that John, one of Jesus' closest friends, the man who's recording this account we're looking at today, he died in exile. The truth is that if we're honest about the reality of life in this world, that trouble and suffering come upon everyone. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves, sometimes it's brought upon us, sometimes we see the reasons and sometimes we don't. Suffering affects everybody, both young and old. What kind of trouble have you faced? Sickness? Loss of job? Broken relationships? Your children are hurting or their life's choices are hurting you? Sometimes our troubles aren't so much external but internal, aren't they? I wonder if anyone listening has struggled with loneliness or being overwhelmed with anxiety. What about brutal hopelessness? Sometimes our internal troubles push our theological doubts, don't they? Have you ever wondered when things are at their worst? God, where are you? And it's so hard for us to understand how can God be loving and all-powerful and still allow his faithful followers or innocent children to suffer? It's true that sometimes faith requires that we accept that we can't understand. And what we can't understand but we'll trust in God who's in control. Jesus himself experienced trouble and suffering. Theologian um, Louis Burkhoff um, writes, uh, Jesus' whole life was a life of suffering. He was sinless in association with sinners. He suffered from the repeated assaults from Satan, from the hatred and unbelief of his own people, and from the persecution of his enemies. So how can we experience both the promise of trouble in this world and the peace of Christ in our lives. Living in God's love and trusting Jesus doesn't mean being exempt from tragedy, conflict, poverty, and struggle. True peace and trouble do not uh, negate one another. What Jesus is saying in all this is that we're not saved from trouble. We are saved in trouble. The world suggests that peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of chaos, the absence of trouble, yet Christ offers peace in the midst of of trouble. So so often our, our peace is set on the circumstance going the way we desire, and our hearts are set on our goal, our hearts are set on what we want, and actually not set on our Savior. The peace Jesus offers is not predicated upon the circumstances. It's, it's not peace from trouble, but peace in the midst of trouble. A significant part in following Jesus is about learning how to consider him and discover peace when surrounded by various troubles in life. Jesus continues. Let me read the text again. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart. I love this expression. It's so pastoral, so caring. Jesus says, trouble will come upon you, but take heart. It means be encouraged. Uh, the Greek verb here uh, used here is, is the same one Jesus uses for the disciples in the boat during the storm in Mark uh, chapter 6. It means have courage. And I ask to the text, how can we take heart? Our our troubles are so overwhelming, and even in the peace that is promised, it seems impossible to get a hold of. I can imagine being at this Last Supper and getting to this point and tearfully asking, how can we have peace in you, Jesus, if all this terrible stuff is going to happen, and you're not going to be with us any longer? Well, Jesus continues, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Then he says, I have overcome the world. Jesus is speaking then at that moment what would ultimately happen. Jesus was on his way to take the punishment upon himself for the sins of the world and when, when he himself had never sinned, how did, so how did he overcome death if he died? Well, that doesn't seem very overcoming, does it? But he didn't just die, he gave up his life as a ransom and then by the power of God was raised back to life. Death couldn't keep him, he overcame then all that besets you and I and what ultimately claims every life, death. And Jesus is saying to this, have courage, I have faced your troubles, I will have faced your enemy and have defeated him. I have fought in human flesh the same battleground in which you fought and have won. So how does all this inform peace in our lives well jason Toby's interpretation it, it could speak it could speak like this in your life dear one things are going to be very very difficult for you and i want you to have peace in the midst of those difficulties so so be encouraged it's okay you've got me and i've taken care of it in the end it's okay i know it's so painful You can trust me. I've got you. It's okay. I know that this isn't going how you'd like it to. You can trust me with it. I'm with you. It's okay. You're angry and anxious. I can handle that. Let's keep working together. Let's keep working together through it. I've got the process and the ends in mind. Jesus is so clear about the reality of life in this world. He doesn't deny the existence of life's troubles. In fact, he guarantees that they will come. Be careful of a Christianity that suggests otherwise. Life is not easy at any point. The sin and brokenness of humanity, uh, the grip of death's enslaving power, only God can transform these. And in Jesus we can have the same victory in the midst of trouble. And this is so comforting because it doesn't depend on us, how strong we are, how self-willed we are. But you get to enter into his victory and his peace. Have you ever known a loved one who had peace in the midst of something like stage 4 cancer? I have, I've seen it. How is it possible? Have you ever read of the martyrs in far-off lands who worship Jesus in the midst of losing their life? How did they do that? Well, the reason that suffering can give way to joy is because peace has taken up residence in their soul. The peace spoken of throughout the gospel depends on Christ's having conquered. His conquest, in turn, enables followers to live for and in him and overcome the world by him. This is why John wrote in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what about something practical? I want to encourage you, when when you're in the midst of the troubles of life and all you can see is straight up uncertainty or that from your vantage point, you just don't know how today will work out. Or if you're sitting in a place in life that you may or may not get what you desire, I want to encourage you to consider something. You can't conjure up the peace found in Jesus, but you can partner with God's Holy Spirit, whereby he cultivates God's character of peace within you. How? Trust in the truth. More practically, speak God's truth to your circumstantial anxiety. Truth-telling always informs peace, always informs peace. Even if it is as simple as, I'm going to heaven, and that promise is greater than my current trouble. Or, my Heavenly Father loves me and knows me. Or, nothing can undo my adoption into God's family And if you're not sure what the truth is in your current circumstance, you're not sure what God's character would say back to that or what God's voice would have to say, find the vulnerability to ask someone who you believe knows and ask them, what do you think God has to say to me today in light of this trouble I'm facing? I hope that we see God's peace well up in your soul. And I hope the same for myself as we trust in the truth, press into him, Knowing that trouble's going to come, but it's okay because we have Jesus.